When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What was the biggest surprise to you, man? What was it? Was it Michigan, Wisconsin? Was it Notre Dame, Georgia? Was it that wild comeback on the Palouse with Wayne's Bruins? I mean, what stood out to you the most from Week Four? Yeah, I, I tell you what, I, I thought Michigan would give Wisconsin a better game. Now their season's not done yet; they've got most of their key games are at home the rest of the year. But I think we had learned that Wisconsin's a pretty good football team this yeah. year. Hats off to Notre Dame for the game they played against Georgia. You know, their run defense hadn't played well, but they stood up well despite the the uh, size difference up front, the fact that Georgia had a great run game. And then, as you touched on, UCLA, what a remarkable comeback down, 32 points with four minutes to go in the third quarter. I mean, if most of the fans probably were falling out of the stadium at that point. The backups are in the game, and what a comeback for UCLA. Now, the big question is, will that turn their season around? It'll be interesting to find out. Holy cow, I hope so, Phil. I really do. I, I, I'll, I'll tell you this, and, and it's been so much fun. And playing late games, you get to watch a ton of games on over the weekend, and I did. But one of the things that I, we've been talking about a little bit, and I'm curious what you think. I looked at Oregon's future schedule because I still think Oregon's a really good team, and I think Oregon and Washington are probably the two that have a chance to kind of win a bunch of games. And I know there's a few other teams that could do it. But the Pac-12 is so deep, Phil, and I think people are putting the Pac-12 down for it. But I looked at Oregon's schedule, and I could, they could lose any of their next five games. I mean, or they could win them all. I mean, it, it, it's, it's the kind of conference, and we saw it with USC beating Utah in a really good game, and we saw, um, we saw the, the Colorado-Arizona State game. It's just this conference week in and week out is just so hard because you just don't know who's going to win. Yeah, and the remarkable thing, Wayne, is the last two years in my magazine where I've rated the conferences, I have had the Pac-12 rated as the fifth-best conference. I don't think you could right. even argue with that. You know, their right. bowl record, the non-conference record, the lack of a uh, top team, 
a lot of factors going against the Pac-12 the last two years. But this year, magazine coming into the season, I had in the third best conference. And as we saw earlier this year, you know, five ranked teams. And as you touch on, there is good depth. And, you know, Utah lost last week. They could still run the table. Their toughest yep. game is at Washington. Oregon is a team that could very well do it. Now, I think they'll take care of business in Austin Stadium. The two, the three games that were concerned me are at Washington, at USC, at Arizona State. Coming into last week, they were only four and twelve away from Austin Stadium. Make it five and twelve, and I like the way their defense played. I think they're a complete team. And Washington surprised me quite a bit. And I tell you what, USC with that receiving core, wow, that's first, second rounders at the worst. These guys are third round draft picks. That's a tough receiving core to cover because. Utah is a great secondary, and uh, they just couldn't make the plays against USC's receivers. Phil, I know you have your own power rankings, and I know you update them throughout the season. It, in, according to you, Phil, who, who, who's your highest-rated Pac-12 team according to the power rankings? You know, right at this very second, it's Oregon. And uh, the Oregon's the, the one loss to Auburn. What's happened is Auburn's played some pretty good football. And yep. Texas A&M on the road. That actually helped Oregon because Oregon, I thought, outplayed Auburn for three quarters. And then uh, the way that Auburn played last week, that is turning out to be a pretty good loss right now, especially if Auburn was to continue on. So right now I do have uh, Oregon up there at the number one spot. And I've got them, my average game grades, which take into account the strength of opponent played and how you do in each game, actually has a number six in the country right now. So it'll be interesting to see how they do. Hmm. I, I, I love everything you just said, Phil. I agree with all that stuff. I thought Auburn winning was big for Oregon. So that's that's good stuff. Well, hey, let's jump into some games. We were just talking about uh, Friday night. Um, Penn State, a team that nobody's really – I don't feel like a lot of people are talking about right now. They're sitting there at 3-0, 12 in the country. Play a Maryland team that's already had a big win this season. What do you think about that one? You know, I, I like Penn State in this one uh, for the following reason. If you watch Maryland last year, there were times where that offense – was unstoppable. Remember the Ohio State game? Uh, they put up 51 points, the two-point conversion away from knocking off Ohio State. They got 32 against Indiana, 63 against Illinois, 42 against Minnesota, uh, 34 against Texas. When they can run the football, Maryland's a, an outstanding offense. But this Penn State team has a pretty good defense. So when the two teams uh, played last year, uh, Penn State held them to 74 yards rushing, beat them 38-3. to In fact, I think the last four games – uh, five games. Penn State's beat them by an average of about 40 points per game. And I love Penn State's defensive front. Uh, I think it's one of the better defensive fronts. So if you could take away that Maryland run game, I think you can stop them. I, that's what we saw with Temple did to them. And I think you'll see the same thing with Penn State. Now, offensively, I don't think Penn State's going to run away with this thing. You look at the Pittsburgh game, they only had 17 points. And go back to the Buffalo game. At the half, they had 7 points, 82 yards. And they only finished with 357 yards. So they're still learning on offense. I don't think it's going to be a blowout, but I do think Penn State takes away the run game. And I, I would lay the lumber now and take Penn State minus the points. Uh, if you like offense, Phil, I don't think the nightcap on Friday is for you. Uh, Arizona State at Cal, the over-under is 41. Uh, what do you make of the, the Sun Devils and the Bears hooking up in Berkeley? Yeah, that's, that's a pretty high number for that game. Uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, the thing that surprised me, even as last week, Cal gave up 525 yards. What's up with that? It was uh, a surprising defense, but they've got a defense. And, uh, you know, they've got one of the best secondaries in the country. And, you know, the last time Arizona State played a good defensive ranked team on the road, it was Michigan State. They went out there and got came away with the win 10-7. to Now, they were outgained 404-216. to 
But they're a team that uh, their largest loss in the last two years during the regular season has been seven points, and even the earlier loss this year by three points. But this is one of those games where i got to go with the dog. You look at Cal home games the last couple of years, uh, the underdog is something like eight and two. Arizona State road games the last two years, the underdog is something like seven and one. And so far this year, if you just played the underdog in all of Cal's games, you'd be 4 0. If you just played the underdog in all of Arizona State's games, you'd be 4 0. So I'm, I'm thinking dog, low scoring, you know, 16 13. And I'd, I'd go with the under, even though it's a low total at 41. I do think we have two very good defenses and two offenses that. Let's face it, if you're the uh, head coach coming into the game, you tell your offense coordinator, don't lose this game, okay? Our defense will make some plays. Punt's not a bad word in this game. Hmm. Well, I'm going to go – let's go Saturday morning early, and I'm going to bring this game up because I know I was ridiculously impressed with what Wisconsin did. Holy cow. I mean, Jonathan Taylor, the running back, that offensive line, Cone, the quarterback, to me, Phil, uh, I was – very, very impressed. I'm like, this guy is is good, and he throws the ball well. He seems like he manages the team well. We know Northwestern has doesn't have quit in them. They've never been like that with Fitzgerald as their coach. Could Wisconsin maybe take a break after that big win against Wisconsin? Could this be a little bit of a trap? You would think so generally, but I don't think they had to spend their entire energy load last yeah. week. I mean, they were up 28 to nothing in the first half. And it's not like they were in a gut-wrenching game and the fans charged the field at the end. That thing was 35 nothing. They gave up a couple of late scores. And I think the reason that Jack Cohn has been so impressive this year is Jonathan Taylor. I mean, if you're yeah. a defensive coordinator, your main thing is stop Jonathan Taylor. And also, this is the best receiving core that I've seen Wisconsin have. I mean, getting Cephas back was huge. They've got A.J. Taylor. They've got some tight ends that can catch the ball. So they really are the complete package. I think Jack Cohn's doing a good job managing this team and running it. Uh, but I think if you're a defense coordinator, you're trying to shut down Jonathan Taylor. Now, with Northwestern, they actually played a tighter game against Michigan State than the score would indicate. In fact, two key plays in the first half. They got stopped after a first and goal at the one, and then they threw a bonehead interception with like a minute and a half left in the half, and they gave Michigan State a gift touchdown on third and ten, and they were down 14-3 instead of potentially leading the game, and then they couldn't manage. And I think that would happen here. If they get down to Wisconsin – they don't really have that comeback capacity under Hunter Johnson. So as much as you like Northwestern and an underdog in Wisconsin, perhaps in a letdown situation, I'm going to say Wisconsin's number one in my average game grades right now. They didn't have to go full effort against Michigan for the whole game, and they only have Kent State on deck. So i, I got to roll with Wisconsin to win this one big. Yep. Yep. All right, Phil, 3.30 up in, uh, up in South Bend. Number 18, Virginia. Number 10, Notre Dame. We saw what the Irish did last week in a loss at Georgia. Played pretty well. I think most people came away from that with a maybe a better impression of what Notre Dame was uh, than going into that one. I'm surprised that the Irish are nearly a two-touchdown home favorite. Are you? How, how do you see that one playing out? Yeah, and I think the situation greatly favors Virginia. In fact, you know, last week I liked Old Dominion because Virginia was off a home comeback win against Florida State where the fans charged the field. They had a game against Notre Dame on deck, and here they are, a 30-point favorite against who? Old Dominion? They even have a football team? And Old Dominion led that thing 17-0. Now they woke up in the second half, played a lot better football, came back at 1-28-17, but that was their C game last week. Virginia's ready for an A game, and I love their secondary. They've got one of the better secondaries in the country. They should be able to slow down Ian Book, and we haven't really seen that Notre Dame rush offense be the rush offense we thought they would at the start of the year. Meanwhile, Notre Dame gave its max effort last week. There's a tremendous home crowd for Georgia. 
Notre Dame played great, even had the ball at the end down six. Uh, and now they're in for a little bit of a life down there. Uh, almost a two-touchdown favorite at home. Uh, they've done well against the ACC, but they don't do great as a home favorite. So I would lean with Virginia to make a great game of this one. Phil, one of the things I love about my conference, the Pac-12, is that it just seems like there's a ton of big games. The problem is, as we've mentioned, they, they have a lot of ranked teams, but they have to play each other. Yeah. USC and Washington are two teams that, that, to me, have the talent to win a whole lot of games. problem is only one of them can win this one. It's probably going to knock one of those teams out, you know, with two losses of the top 25. And so I'm curious what you think. I know Washington's favored by over 10, which surprises me with that talent. But the one thing I'll say, Washington every year, even though they find they put guys in the NFL, they just coach defense really well but they have an offense and some receivers we've talked about in sc they're going to really test them yeah i agree with you 100 percent that washington's defense has surprised me this year uh they're not as good as last year's i mean they have given up some yards during the season uh last year if you look at washington they held opponents to 108 yards below their season average this year it's 65 which is still good but it's better than what i expected but as you touched on it those receivers that usc have i mean Pittman, vaughn st brown these guys are all going to be in the NFL. The key for USC, they got to keep Matt Fink healthy because there's no Daniels, there's no Slovis, they've got walk-ons behind Fink. So if he comes out of the game, I mean, I may be able to throw some touchdown passes to Pittman, Vaughn, and St. Brown, but you wonder how many the, the walk-up would do, the walk-on quarterback would do. Now, Washington's at home, good situation. The last time USC was off a big home win, they went on the road and lost. But I'm taking the points in this game. I think USC will be able to move the football, probably can move the football on anybody this year. So it's worth taking the Trojans plus the points. Uh, Phil, let's go to the primetime slate on Saturday. Number five, Ohio State, with all due respect to Cincinnati, uh, they haven't played anybody. And and now they got to go to Lincoln. They play a Nebraska team. You know Cornhuskers, you know, the Cornhusker fans and the, and, and the program have had this game circled for a while. I, I was at this game two years ago when Ohio State went into Nebraska and just whitewash these guys i mean it was a fire drill at halftime people were were heading for the exits nebraska's closed the gap but do you, do you think they're capable of pulling off the upset of the buckeyes saturday night well if you remember last year steven nebraska which had a losing record rolled into columbus and took them right to the wire yep. i mean they led at the half 21 16 final score 36 31 uh, and that nebraska offense which had been struggling all year long put up 450 yards on the buckeyes Ohio State only had a 31-yard edge, and that was in Columbus. And now Nebraska gets them at home. And I'll say at the start of the year, I was thinking Nebraska could pull the upset. And also, Nebraska is actually better than their scores would indicate so far. You go back to that Colorado game, absolutely dominated the first half, sort of led up in the second half. Last week, how about 690 yards to 299? Now, generally, when you get that kind of a yardage edge, you win the game by four or five touchdowns. They needed a comeback to win by four points last week. So uh, 690 yards offense, I think Martinez has it going. They should be able to give Ohio State a challenge. But are you willing to jump in front of this Ohio State buzzsaw? I mean, they are just putting it down. Now They're running the football well, averaging 5.8 yards per carry. They're throwing the football well, 70% completions. And to me, the biggest difference with Ohio State is defense. You know, all coaches talk when they get hired as the defense coordinator, hey, we're going to attack more, we're going to be more aggressive. Ohio State's actually not been as aggressive as they were last year. Last year they got burnt by the big play early and often. This year they're not blitzing as much. And guess what? 
They're only allowing 222 yards per game. They're not giving up the big play. I think they've allowed three plays over 20 yards all year long. So the little bit less aggressive defense is helping Ohio State here be much better. So they are a, a true buzzsaw. I think they're going to get their best test of the year by far, but uh, I don't want to jump in front of that buzzsaw right now. <laughs> All right, we got we got Kansas State with a coach and, and Kleiman that just wins games. I mean, and they're sitting there at 3-0. and They're ranked in the top 25. Oklahoma State just coming off a loss, but I think it was, what, 36-30 to against Texas. That's, a, that's probably a game that not a lot of people are talking about, but it looks like a, it might be a good one, Phil. I think it will be a good one. And 36-30 thanks to a, a Texas punt returner trying to – why would he try to slide and field a punt late in the game up by two scores? Let the ball bounce. It's at the 35-yard line. Run a few plays off. He tries to slide and field a punt return fumble. Oklahoma State gets a touchdown, only loses the game by six. But uh, you do have to like Oklahoma State's offense. They put up 494 yards. Chuba Hubbard was leading the country in rushing head in the last week. Tylen Wallace, one of the best receivers. And Spencer Sanders playing pretty good. Now, my question with Oklahoma State, they haven't really played a dominating run game, but that's what they're going to face here in Kansas State. And if they're, you look at Oklahoma State's defense, their question mark is the defensive front four. And I think K-State will be able to run the football and control the ball. And meanwhile, defensively, they're allowing just 256 yards per game. This is a very sneaky Kansas State team that last year got out physical by Mississippi State at home. This year they went on the road and beat Mississippi State. So they're playing very good. I think there's upset potential there. I like this K-State team, and uh, they're, they're cutting down on the turnovers, something that bothered them last year, playing really good fundamental football. And I believe their head coach has won something like 24 straight road games. So I, I think he's got a shot at winning another uh, road game here. So it'll be a fun game to watch. Hey, while we're talking about undefeated Big 12 teams, I, I've got one for you, Phil. Uh, it doesn't involve the ranked team, but I'm intrigued by Iowa State at Baylor. I, I don't know how good Baylor is because, again, they haven't played anybody, but they're 3-0. and They got Iowa State coming to Waco. The Clones are a slight road favorite. Talk to me. Iowa State, Baylor, what do you think? I'm going to take the dog here, Baylor. You know, I talked to Coach Rule last year in the spring, and they were coming off, what, a one- or two-win season? And just before we hung up the phone, Coach Rule says to me, Phil, we're going to make a bowl game this year. And I, in my head, I'm like, yeah, okay, you know, it's good to be optimistic and all that. At the end of the year, there they are in a bowl game beating Vanderbilt 45-38. to So this year I said, uh, Coach, what's the, uh, what's the expectation level? He goes, we're going to contend for the Big 12 title. And last week, not an impressive final score against Rice, but go back and watch the game. 21-3 to at the half. They've got Iowa State on deck. I think Baylor started thinking about Iowa State at halftime. And Coach Rule maybe did a poor job in the second half or maybe wanted the team to get a little – I mean, they blew out their first two foes. I love their quarterback. They can throw the football with Charlie Brewer. Their defense giving up just 262 yards per game. they got nine sacks. So that's a dangerous Baylor team. They're at home. Coach Rule's thinking they're going to attempt for the Big 12 title. I've been impressed with Iowa State so far this year. Uh, they're actually outgaining their opponents by 198 yards per game. They outgained Iowa by 105 yards in the loss. And that overtime game against Northern Iowa, they had a 463-262 yard edge. But I, I think Baylor's got a shot at the upset here and to stay an unbeaten. Well, you're going to have to stay up late and see if there's any more magic in the Pac-12. Washington State, I don't know if you can imagine this, Phil, but can you imagine me and Anthony Gordon throwing nine touchdown passes and not winning, and then Utah coming off their 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 tough loss to USC. I, I actually believe it or not, I've said this, and I, I'm not trying to be mean to the young man, but I was I've been worried all year with Utah because I'm not sure if Tyler Huntley is the type of quarterback you want if you're chasing. 
he's, he's, he's a great manager. He runs well. He's athletic. I'm not saying he's a bad passer, but I don't think he's a pure passer. Um, I, I'm, I'm be interested to see what happens if Utah can bounce back. I know they have a great defense. Their, their running back got hurt last week also in, in Moss. But, you know, it, it, I'm, I'm intrigued by this game. But uh, I still like Utah, but I think Washington State will put up a fight. Yeah, they will. And, you know, they run the same exact offense that USC brought into Utah and, and lit up the Utes last week. Now, uh, a couple of reasons, excuse me, why I like Utah in this one. Uh, you know, Tyler Huntley has had his moments. You go back to last year's game against USC, he threw for 341 yards. Uh, this year he hit 22 at 30. Well, it's tough to rely on him, and Moss probably isn't going to play here. I, I think it's going to probably rely on Devin Brumfield. Brumfield looked good last week, averaged 5.4 yards per carry. That is a loss. So, I mean, Washington State's got good receivers, but they're not first and second round draft picks like USC has. So I think Utah's DBs will do a better job on them. I also think Utah's defensive line needs to be as dominant as I thought they would be at the start of the year. They only have eight sacks so far. I think you'll see a few more sacks in this game. So I like Gordon. I like Washington State. But I'm going to give the defensive edge to Utah, the home edge to Utah, the fact they're off a loss. And if you remember last year's game, it was a close game anybody's game, and then Washington State threw a big third down pass, I think, in the fourth quarter, a couple minutes left in the game, to win by seven. So Utah's playing with some legitimate revenge. So i like the Utes to get that one at home. All right, Pac-12 after dark, last game on the board, uh, UCLA at Arizona. We already broke down the Washington State side of the coin. We saw what they did in the loss. Do you buy into UCLA? I mean, is momentum a real thing that the Bruins are bringing to the desert? Because historically... When Pac-12 teams have to visit the desert, whether it's Arizona or Arizona State field, they struggle. How do you see that one playing out? Yeah, and, you know, there's two ways to attack that. You could say the UCLA offense came to life and they're going to be great the rest of the year. But I don't know if I necessarily saw that out of UCLA. I might have saw a team that had a little bit of a letdown. There was a pump return touchdown. There was a 94-yard TD pass, uh, things like that going on in the game. Prior to that, they had 14 points per game, and late in the third quarter at 17 points against Washington State. Now, Arizona's a team where once Khalil Tate gets back to running the football like he did two years ago, look out, because he's a better passer than he was then. Very dangerous runner. Had the big run, and I like the way Arizona ran the ball down Texas Tech's throat late in the game. Ended up with 314 yards rushing. UCLA's rush defense, still not great. I mean, they gave up 309 yards to Oklahoma. Last week, they played a pure pass offense. I think that uh, Arizona will be able to run the ball here. And, and you're right, at night in the desert, that's a tough place to play. So, sorry, Wayne, I'm going to have to side with Arizona in that game. It's okay. It's okay. I'll, I'll, uh, I'm going to keep up hope. I, I think you're wrong again, Phil, but we'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> Phil, you're the best, man. Always enjoy uh, catching up with you on these Thursday shows, and uh, we'll do it again next week, all right? Hey, enjoy the football this weekend, guys. Have a great weekend. Yes, we shall. Thanks, that Phil. That is Phil Steele at PhilSteele042 on the Twitter. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate, not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.